0: From the studios of Teeing It Up in the sponsored Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy showing for Friday, November 9th, 2018, and it is my honor and pleasure to welcome the esteemed senior writer for Golf.com and Golf Magazine, Alan Shipnuck, to Teeing It Up. He was kind enough to let me write for Golf.com last year. I've wanted to have him on the show for a while, and Tiger Phil uh seemed like the perfect opportunity so alan thank you again for that opportunity and welcome to the show i'm happy to be here Geez, it took you so long to invite me i've been waiting and waiting <laughs> i've just been trying to find you know, you know now that you're in the you're in the podcasting space too i have to be careful you know i gotta pick my spots. so i just wanted to wait for the right opportunity i
1: appreciate the discretion but you know i'm glad i can cross it off the to do list finally
0: so as most people know Alan uh, was the one who got the scoop about capital One's the match Tiger versus Phil coming Thanksgiving weekend um, and I highly recommend the shack house episode podcast episode where he goes into the full story um, what I'm and and um, we will get to that too shortly but what I'm fascinated by is from what you can tell what's the backstory as to how this happened because we had these weird things happen. We had a practice round at the Masters that was explained by Joey and Tim Mickelson checking in at the same time, or some kind of odd fluke there. We had a, that whole players' press conference where where, where both of them said some high-stakes match would be great. And you hinted in your Scoop article that things w- were in the works already by then. But going backwards, what's the genesis of this? Who called who? How did this start?
1: Watson gets the credit for this because the Tiger-Phil relationship was sort of forever altered by the task force um, that was meant to save the Ryder Cup. The, the jury's still out on that one, but right. they, they they really came together in a different sort of way as as not only golfers, but... As the guys carrying the flag for American golf, and as the undisputed alpha males of the whole, um, the whole Ryder Cup, and by extension the entire PGA Tour, they were put in this leadership position that they both had kind of danced around and had, had wanted, but didn't want to take on the responsibility. And finally, they couldn't shirk it anymore, and so. You know, Phil told me they had a lot of correspondence about that. Just the two of them, texts, phone calls, uh, chats on the driving range, whatever it may be. And you know, the Tiger Phil dynamic's have always been so interesting because they were they were set up as as these as these rivals, and there was there was a, a lot of spikiness through the years, but. I mean, who can understand Phil's life better than Tiger? Who can understand Tiger's life better than Phil? I mean, they're both California guys. Um, They're in their own tax brackets. They're living, breathing Hall of Famers. I mean, it it made more sense for them to be friends than not. It just took a long time to shovel through all that stuff. And, you know, I think in Tiger's absence from the game because of injuries and scandal and rehab, I think he kind of... You know, he saw in Phil like that's what he wanted. He wanted to be this beloved elder statesman. He wanted to be this guy that people came to as an oracle, and he didn't really have that. He, you know, he'd been this lone wolf for so much of his career, and so it, I don't think Tiger always fully re- respected Phil as a competitor because he beat him so easily during his prime. But I think that. He came to respect him more as, as a figure in the game and as this Arnold-like presence that, that Tiger aspired to, and so there was just this this general thawing of the whole relationship. And you know, these guys these guys are crafty businessmen, and they have all these sharks who work for them, whose job is to make money. And I think as as they they came together, they realized, wow, wow we're having fun together. I'm enjoying I'm enjoying this new relationship, and uh, how can we leverage it? You know. How can we monetize it? Because that's how they both think, right? I mean, they're used to making money with everything they do and everything they touch. And right. So, um, I, I don't know when the exact spark was. You know, with, in like the 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 ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, where you know God is reaching down with his finger. And um, I, I don't know when exactly or where that happened, but it just it just bubbled up from, from this new kind of dynamic between the two of them, and and then it sort of very quickly took on some momentum.
0: Um, when you when you got Phil to reveal this, because Alan was well, was in Southern California for a cover story with Phil Mickelson, and he kept taking phone calls, and, and and this came up as what those phone calls were. When Phil gave you, you know, finally opened up and said, "Hey, this is you know, you know, this is a thing." Were 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 you stunned? Were you surprised? Were you taken aback? What was your personal reaction? Uh, uh,
1: none of the above, because you know the the, the master's practice round. You know, Phil showing up in his button-down shirt. You know, that was a that was such a marketing move, and uh, it's just I, I wasn't even that surprised. It just sort of made sense because, you know, it, it, let's face it. Uh, Tiger and Phil both played at a high level this year. They combined to win two tournaments, and Phil had one in five years. And uh, you know, same for Tiger. Like I think they recognize that they're no, neither one's ever going to be an everyday force on the PGA Tour again. They're going to have their moments, and um, they may thrill us with you know they might come on the right week when it's a major championship or whatever. But it's pretty clear that they're just not going to be the players they were every week and so they're just they're just looking to stay relevant they're looking to have fun they're looking to make money and you know i think this idea of growing a game it appeals to them if it's not too much work and this is 18 holes and it's getting a lot of attention a lot of publicity so you know i i wasn't that surprised when phil told me and the way he laid it out it made perfect sense because this idea that one guy's going to walk away with no someone's going to win $9 million and someone's going to go home empty-handed this is not true because Tiger and Phil own this franchise. They've, they've basically set up a company to run this this match and all the others are going to follow. And so they're both getting a chunk of the pay-per-view of um, you know the corporate money and all revenue streams are flowing towards them. So even a guy who, who, who doesn't win the match it's still going to make a nice payday and this, this is something they hope to replicate over and over around the world different playing partners different formats you name it i mean this is not this is not a one-off this is the beginning of a franchise uh, so uh, in that context it, it makes perfect sense i mean you know, the two biggest box office draws in the game they have been for a quarter century practically and uh, they're just they're finding a way
0: to have some fun and, and to extend their their brands um, which is just crazy to think that, that, that this is the start of something and how much money they're going to make from it. And to your point that they can't be everyday forces on the PGA Tour, look at what Cameron Champ is doing. Obviously, you know he is in a league of his own when it comes to swing speed and ball speed and that, but but Tiger and Phil are not this next wave of guys, all these Luke lists and, 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 and what Kepka can do. And, and, what, and what Champ's doing is just completely overpowering golf courses. Um, that's obviously not what Tiger Phil can do. I'm just curious from, from a writing perspective. You, you write this article. You submit it. It's got this nugget of a Tiger Phil match in it. You know it's going to create a hubbub when it goes to print. You finally convince Phil to cough it up. You type something up. How many people in the golf.com golf magazine universe knew about this before it became public because this did not leak this did not leak from either of their camps there was no murmurs about this you were the one that 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 just opened up everybody's eyes to this um so how many people knew and and properly kept their mouths shut (laughs) yeah it's a funny story because I was hanging out with Phil it was
1: let me get this right it was early May and they were. I spent a day with them in Rancho Santa Fe, and they were going gangbusters trying to get this thing up and running for July third. And the story I was writing was for the August cover of Golf Magazine, um, which you know we, we everyone dates their magazines for. It actually comes out right around July first, and so Phil was taking all these phone calls. And he was stepping out, and like you know, he was he's was on his phone. He was he was very engaged in whatever was happening. And I was like, okay, you got to give me something here. He's like. Uh, I, you know, I can't really, I can't, it's too soon. I said, well here's the deal. Um, what, whatever you're working on is clearly gonna happen sooner rather than later. If this story comes out, there's not even a mention of it. It looks, it, looks me, it makes me look bad. I spent all the time <laughs> with you and I get, I'm getting scooped. That's also a missed opportunity for you. I, we can create some buzz. We can publicize whatever's going on here. So we thought about it. and So we kind of hashed out this deal where I could ask some questions, he would answer them. But I had to. It had to wait until the official announcement, and that was fair. I was I was okay with that. I didn't love it, but I was okay with it. So, um, I, I included some passages in the story, and I had a lot of other stuff that I didn't put in the golf magazine story. So, I filed that, and time goes on, and um, I sent a text to Phil at some point and said, "What's going on with the match? Is it still is it still a go for July third? Because you know our." our uh, the day we have to ship this magazine is approaching. He's like, yeah, it's all good you know I think this is a Friday he so said should be announced on Monday I said, okay great and, um, and then that was the week that the magazine was going to print it was was that following week you know I, yeah I said one more text okay this is like the moment we got to press the button here and he's like it's all good it's gonna happen this is you know lawyers whatever it's gonna happen so fine we set the magazine out and then this is, whatever, late May, and obviously the match didn't happen in July, so, um, I, is well, let's see, I gotta think about this. I saw them at the US Open, and I pulled them aside, I said, you know, this, okay, this magazine's gonna come out soon, and I haven't heard one announcement about the match. Like, yeah, it's, I'm not sure why it got delayed, it's just taken a while, it's, we're definitely gonna do it, but I don't know when. I said, all right, well, here's our problem. <laughs> The match is discussed in a Sculpt Magazine cover story, and it's getting printed and set. There's no there's no coming back from this. So, there's two options here. You can deny it and say, I got the story wrong, which makes me look bad, and then when right. this thing does get announced, it makes you look ridiculous. Or we can use this as an opportunity. And so, you know, fill the cage, you guys. Like, fine. Just go ahead and write, write it like it's going to happen, and it will happen. We just, just, you know, be sure to couch that you don't know the exact timing of it. So,. So I wrote the story for golf dot com ahead of the magazine's publication and honestly I feel like I should be getting ten percent of the nine million dollars because I think this thing had kinda of stalled out and they lost momentum on the deal making and all of a sudden that, that story drops on golf dot com and the whole world goes kind of crazy for the idea and it proved there was an audience and there was an interest out there and then add some urgency to deal making and one of the guys who works for Excel, sports management, which is the Steinberg um, machine who you know, mines Tiger's career, you know, he, he kinda told me as much that all of a sudden it was like, Okay, this is happening. We gotta make this happen. Let's get let's get things going here and then they, they got it ironed out and they got it got announced and here we are. But um so it it's a really funny backstory and <laughs> I have a good relationship with Phil. We were able to sort of negotiate this and navigate this complicated situation. And to his credit, I mean, he could have hung me out to dry and, and just said, um, that thing fell apart. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. It, you know, when the magazine story came out, it could, have, it could have been a mess. So I'm glad that Phil was uh, sophisticated enough to play ball. And I think in the end, it, it helped his interest because it got, it got this match done and yeah. announced and, and got all the, the, the
0: eyes dotted. We are talking to Alan Shipnuck from Golf.com and Golf Magazine here on, uh, uh, sorry, teeing it up with Jeremy Schilling. And um, A, good job by all of you guys to keep that quiet during that whole wait, uh, uh, waiting game process. B, that's a good segue into this. The biggest complaint that I have gotten from friends, and I'm 30 years old, I'm, I'm your classic millennial who... We'll we'll stream stuff, watch stuff, pay for stuff. If we like it, if we don't like it, we just run away from it. Um, is a the fact that this is pay per view? B that it's nineteen ninety nine. It feels like it should be nine ninety nine, not not nineteen ninety nine. And C that what this was first advertised as, which is ten million, it's now nine. You know, winner take all. You know, go for broke. Um, has turned into a money grab of sorts for all parties involved. And right after this was announced, somebody had a quote, I I forget if it was Tiger or Phil, about growing the game. And to me, when you make it pay-per-view, you um, now the audience that can see it, you A, make people pay for it now versus people who may already have you know, access to to the channels who bid, which is the which is all the major regular golf you know uh, channels who cover golf. And number three, you just frustrate people. So, do you have any insight into a the pay per view side of it, b the pricing, or just see why they went this route that would seem to limit the audience they could get versus you know get the most? Well, again, I mean, some of this is slightly my fault because
1: I think. All of a sudden, the, the story was out there. There's a lot of questions. Tiger and Phil were getting hammered with questions that they didn't have answers to. And it's kind of like, all right, we got to get this finalized, we got to get this announced. And they ha- clearly hadn't figured everything out. And the rollout strategy was problematic. You know, they should have, when they announced it, they should have had it all figured out. And so this is how we're doing it. And this is why. And we think this is a new model for sports, and this is cutting edge. And we know we're going to lose some people, but it's worth a shot. And we're, we're 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 taking one for the team here for the entire sports landscape to see if there really is a pay-per-view model. And they, they could have framed it differently, but yeah. the, the way it got leaked out, so. Oh, well, first, oh, it's pay-per-view, and then oh, the public's not going to be allowed to watch in pub- you know in person, and all these little details leaked out. None of them super favorable, and they they just did a poor job of controlling the message. Is what it comes down to. And uh, again, uh, maybe I'm slightly to blame for that. But um, <laughs> so I, I think people very quickly made up their mind that this is this is not a this is not a favorable thing based on. Um, the, the factors you mentioned, and I understand the argument. I, I think I think they just realized that they want this to be different. They want this to be a different experience, and they want to control it in a different way. And by by going the pay-per-view route and this whole new distribution channel, it it opened up possibilities. Um, and, again, you have to look at it as a long-range play they're making here. It's not a one-off. And so I think they're, they're thinking five years from now, how are people going to consume sports? I mean, maybe everything's going to be a la carte, and you're going to pay 9.99 to watch the Masters, and then you're going to, um, you know, it's going to be $0.99 cents for each round on p, you know, pg.com. And, um, I don't know. I think possibly they outspar themselves, but I think they were, they were trying to look to the future and predict um, – you know, how it's gonna work. And I think it gives them more flexibility going forward as they go match by match. And, you know, if they, they take on you know, Hao Tong Li in, in China, and they, maybe the paper going view audience is huge, and this will be the smartest thing they've ever done. Right. Um, and if they go down, and um, you can just go down the list of, of interesting um, possibilities. If they take on Ian Poulter and Roy McElroy is, you know Sky Sports might not have been willing to televise it but maybe pay-per-view they can still get a good audience over there yeah um, i think it i think it gives them some flexibility going forward and it's it just they they want this to be different you know they they both think of themselves as as on the cutting edge business-wise, and Phil especially likes to be a a contrarian and an iconoclast, and uh, just it on, you know, CBS, you just tune in or not, it's kind of passively like you do every other golf event. This this makes it feel different. It's certainly led to a ton of discussion. As you say, some of it's negative, but um, it's gotten people talking, and the reality is Friday after Thanksgiving is a boring day for sports. There's a lot of people at home just marooned on their couch, and I think a lot of people are saying I'm not interested when push comes to shove and people start tweeting about it. And um, you know, if, I think that that day they're gonna get a lot of people sign up because you know, if you take, take a family of, of six to the movies, they're gonna spend hundred dollars. It's still cheaper to spend 20 bucks on, on a, and, and stay at home. So, yeah. I don't know, it, it, the, I think the whole world's gonna be curious what kind of numbers they draw. And I have no feel for what the audience is um, or not.
0: So, and uh, and and then you get to experiment, and I think we'll learn a lot after the fact. Oh, uh, uh, totally. And and then there's the thing that that depend on how much golf media they let in. Some holes could have more media members than spectators, which will be bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I think there's
1: only I think there's only going to be a couple dozen um, media members there. They've they've kept it they've kept it small. Um, maybe for logistical reasons, maybe for um, you know, <laughs> anyway, it's it's payback for uh, how you covered Tiger scandal <laughs> circa of, uh, Thanksgiving two thousand nine. I don't know, but yeah, all um, and, um, yeah, there, there'll be people there. I mean, you think about all the all the company that Tiger and Phil endorse, and then all of the entities that are part of this with you know MGM grand now owns shadow creek and um it's going to be a coveted thing they're going to have no trouble getting 500 people walk around out there if they all gather around one green and one tee box it's going to look like a good crowd all right. they care about is how it looks on tv so
0: they're, they're actually there'll be there'll be a good enough crowd to make it you know not look like um people are apathetic I'm talking Tom and Shiplunk here from Golf Magazine. Um, One other thing that I think people want clarified because you know some of this got mishmashed, uh, 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 as you said, as part of poor messaging. The PGA Tour, from from what's been reported, ordered them to lower the price from 10 million to nine. Sorry, the uh, purse from 10 million to nine million due to the FedEx Cup champion getting 10 million dollars in exchange. From, from what I've been able to gather from tech, from uh, press releases and other things is this is now PGA Tour sanctioned, which means I guess there's a Mark Russell or, or Slugger White type person who will be there, number one. And number two, that we have Shotlink, which will be interesting, um, but also that it'll be in the daytime as to not conflict with the World Cup of Golf. Can you clarify kind of, what happened here with the PGA Tour and Jay Monahan and the folks at PGA Tour headquarters as to why this match is happening, when and the structure and all that stuff?
1: Yeah, I think I think it was inevitable. You know, Tiger and Phil hatched this thing, and the, and the tour wanted a piece and. it it made it made their life easier in some ways i mean for instance to apply for media credentials i went through the usual pga tour portal Mm. that was one thing that they didn't have to worry about um yeah getting the slugger whites of the world um and you know to to an event of this magnitude there's a lot of logistics to manage by by partnering essentially with the tour the tour can now do a lot of the grunt work that that Tiger and Phil's people don't want to have to deal with because it's a hassle and it's, it's time consuming and it costs money. Um, and it's also, it, it I think for the tour, the, um, they just don't want to be left out of the party. So they said, okay, we, they want to protect their brand to some degree. I mean, even though they don't own Tiger and Phil, let's face it, that's where they spend most of their time is on the PGA tour. They're all in this together. And so um, they, they, they worked out at something that'd be mutually beneficial. And, I think the difference between day and night. It would have been cool aesthetically to have it under the lights, but the reality is, that the, the time slot they chose is a, big, is a bigger audience. I think that. I agree. Yeah. Are, are going to be hanging out in those hours anyway, so. Um, I don't. I don't know the TikTok on on all the negotiations and who had to give what to whom to to hammer this out, but. Um, both of them have a good relationship with Jay Monahan. He's still pretty new at his job. He's, despite everything, that these are still his two biggest stars. So um, everyone gave a little, and I think they all walked away happy is the bottom line.
0: Hey, Tiger and Phil had more wins this year than, than Spieth and and um, Ricky Fowler. So, you know, just just I'll, I'll, I'll just put that out there. It's I, one I of those. love this whole 20-something group of guys
1: that are really fun to watch. They're great for the game. They're great ambassadors. Um, but those of us who are in golf overrate how popular they are. I mean, yeah. you know, if you if you go to a an average sports bar during Monday night football and you ask a hundred people chosen at random, I mean, how many of them even know who Jordan Spieth is? How many of them know Ricky Fowler? They don't know Cam
0: Champ, that's for sure. Yeah, um, they don't know John Rahm. They might have heard of
1: Justin Rose, but. The average sports fan really doesn't tune in that carefully, and they know Tiger and they know Phil, and everyone else is, is a question mark. So um, they're still the biggest stars. That's just that's just the reality of it. Do they deserve to be? Um, maybe, maybe not. But they just are. And until um, you know, Ricky Fowler wins a Grand Slam, or um, you know, something dramatically shifts in the golf landscape, they're they're going to be the biggest stars for a while. And so they know that. With all their corporate partners who are part of the deal know that. Monahan knows that and, and we're seeing it all come home to roost with with this match.
0: Some um super quick hitters here. Number one, um, will Tiger win a major in twenty nineteen? You know, it's so interesting because
1: for for most of the year the driver was a weakness for him. Yeah. And uh, he was playing around it and he was giving up so much to the Dustins and, and the Kepkas and the Justin Roses. Because all he was tiger not hitting it that straight, he wasn't using it that much he, it, compared to the other guys. You know, he was keeping it holstered and playing away from it, and that's just not the modern game. But the way he drove it at Eastlake was so beautiful. And, you know, he made some changes with his shaft and he tweaked the loft and, um, Did he find something that's gonna be sustainable for all of 2019? If so, he's a threat at all four majors. If that was just a a magical week on a course where he's really comfortable and, and, you know, it's really hard, it's a small sample size, but if you can drive it like that, you can certainly win at Augusta National. Pebble Beach is a you know a very short position golf course at this point, and we're driving is not even gonna be that important. We know Tiger's iron game is supreme. It, it's really the quintessential second shot course with those tiny greens. Yep. We know what he did there in 2000, uh, so he's he's certainly a threat there. Royal Portrush is a big brawny golf course. Um, you get definitely need driver there a lot. But as we all know with the Open, there's so much more that goes into it with. Um, management and playing the different shots, and Tiger's still great at that. Um, And then we have Beth Page where, uh, again, you need a lot of drivers there. So I kind of want to see how he's playing off the tee in the the beginning part of the year before I make a a, a real judgment. But uh, clearly, I mean, he had two majors within his grasp this year, and it was was such a transition year. It's impossible to say, that he's not going to contend or be a threat or be a factor. But if he actually gets it done, I mean, can he make all the six, eight, ten-footers he has to make? Can he drive it and play? Um, we don't know that. But I'll say this. He's going to contend. He's going to be a threat. I, I don't know if he's going to win one. It, it almost feels too soon in like the, the epic sweep of this comeback. Like it better tease us for one more year. but yeah. um, So, I don't know. I'm kind of copping out here. I, I don't know. I really don't. I, <laughs> and put a gun to my head and I had to choose I
0: would say no because they're so hard to win and I, I, I think also this is what's fascinating about the Tiger film match is here Tiger's had an off season to rebuild his body because everybody knows he was basically on, on health fumes by the end of the year he was basically piecemealing it together Joey basically said flat, hey I am giving up 10 yards sorry, sorry Tiger's giving up 10 yards here just to hit more fairways he's the best iron player in the world blah 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 does he now try to tweak the technology to hit more fairways? Or does he stick with what he had had, you know, last season, which was still shorter than everybody else? Um, there's 10,000 more things we could talk about, but I'll leave you with this one. For the fans out there who will see this tweet and are Tiger and Phil fans and, and, and tune in to learn more about Tiger Phil, what is the one guy not named Tiger Phil who they should pay more attention to. And I, 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 I think for me, it's an easy one, and that's Cam Champ. And I'll also throw in Aaron Wise, who I think has a really bright future. For you, who's the guys that they don't know but now should keep an eye on? Yeah, well, I mean, that
1: that's, those are great choices. This Joaquin
0: Neiman kid has a ton of game. He just turned uh, 20. Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, he's just he's a baby. Yeah. Um, you know he's 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 in that group. Um, I like I like Cookie, Austin Cook. He's you know he one as a rookie and he's he just has a very mature um, game and way about him. And I I think he doesn't have as much firepower as those guys we've mentioned, um, but he still is a really really um, sophisticated golfer and really knows how to maximize his rounds. And um, so I mean that, that would be the, the short list, but. I mean, as, as we're speaking right now, Camp Champ is leading in, in Mexico. It's like, how can you not be excited about this guy? He comes out of the box with back-to-back wins, and that's incredible.
0: And and, and the thing is, is remember, this Sanderson win did not get him to Augusta. Winning here would get him to Augusta. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, everybody wants to see him play that course. But it's a funny thing that you were just, that you are talking about Tiger and the equipment and the yardage. and Yeah. It, there's, there's two contrasting things here, where hitting it. Hitting it long is obviously paramount in golf now, and especially on everyday PGA Tour setups where there's not that much penalty for missing. So, um, but the majors are different, and still, there's still, there's a higher penalty for missing the fairway, and uh, it, accuracy, and, and finesse, and being able to think your way on the golf course is still at a premium. So Tiger has to say, am I, am I okay finishing you know 12th at Torrey Pines, but giving myself a better shot to win at Pebble Beach? You know, that's the calculus he has to make. Cause, uh, and I think the we all know the answer to that. He, he'll give up the everyday tour events to be more competitive in the majors. And the majors, it's still even though you you got to hit a lot of drivers at a place like Augusta National and um, certainly Beth Page, but you still, you're better off hitting it 290 in the fairway than 320 in the rough at those events. Not at Mayakoba, (laughs) and not at Sanderson, and not at at Torrey Pines or all these other courses, but the majors, you still got to be in the fairway. Yeah. Massive difference. So, um, you know, I think think it's an interesting decision that that Tiger has to make, and I think... um, It might be, Say he doesn't win any tournaments leading up to Augusta, I mean, um, but he has a lot of, you know, strong finishes, 5th, 8th, 12th. People are going to say, oh, he's he's not peaking, but maybe he is because he's preparing to play that that course the way he he needs to play it where everyone else is trying to win the event at hand. And and the way the the game is evolving, they're a little different. Now, of course, you get to... um, Aaron Hills, and that was that was like Sanderson, you just gotta smash it. Um, and so depending on weather, and depending on the quirks of the setup, and, and the way the courses move around, I mean, there are gonna be majors where uh, where you can freewheel it more than others, but these are tough tracks on this on this year's Rota. I mean, this is big boy golf, and um, so I'll be really curious to see, as you say, how Tiger changes his, his approach, his equipment, and everything else, but... Um, it's just one of the many, many subplots heading into 2019. And
0: to that point, just think of the line Cam Champ is going to take on 13 in Augusta. <laughs> no, they're they're going to have to, like... Um, you know how when When the azaleas don't bloom right, supposedly they truck them in. And they're, right. They're going to have to bring in some, like, 200-foot redwoods to put them on the dog legs. Like, oh, you're going to show up at Augusta like, wow, are
1: those trees are before? <laughs> no, they just brought in like, the tallest trees in the world because that, that whole is really even if they add 20 yards to it as they've been talking about uh, with that new land they purchased it's it's not gonna make a so difference it's, it's too short it just is and uh, it, it's okay to make birds and eagles there no one has a problem with that that's my point and yeah an iron wedge in, you know um,
0: so for me, I'm somebody who loves the roars and just loves Sunday at Augusta with birdies and eagles. We, we've we seen the last couple of years when we've had those cold and windy Thursday Fridays, what happens when, when the course gets tough. There's nothing like a warm Augusta with roars on Sunday. And I don't care if 18 under wins. So what?
1: That's correct. But, I mean, you think about... You know, the shot that Faldo hit on 13, I was standing right there. It's one of the shots I always can still hear and picture in my mind when he, when he beat Norman in 96. You know, he, he had a, this laser two-iron <laughs> off a hanging lie. It was an incredible shot. When when you have, when you have a knockdown wedge or a nine-iron, it just asks less of the players. It's just fair. an easier yeah. shot. There's, there's not much dramatic tension when, when a tour player is out there with, with a nine-iron. He, he's going to hit the green, right? The creek's not really in play. Now, maybe... Maybe he'll check it out and he'll play away from the flag and have a 40-footer, but you know when a guy's down there with a two-iron, if he doesn't hit it perfect, it's going in the creek, and it made that moment a lot more exciting. It made it a lot more fraught, and it, it made that shot all the more spectacular. And so. A birdie's a birdie, but you, you want to see the players pushed and challenged, and a lot of holes in Augusta have lost it, their teeth. Um, so I don't care. 18-under is fine. I mean, that's okay. But I want these guys to have to, to play their butt off to get to 18-under. If it's just driver flip wedge, it's just, it's just a different kind of golf, and to me, it's an easier kind, and it doesn't ask as many questions, and it's not, it's not as much fun to watch, and it's not as exciting.
0: I would retort that, that then you get situations where you know like they've done on on um uh sorry sorry excuse me number 11 where the where the whole trees were added in and, and it made that hole too narrow but that's a conversation for a whole other time and um i know your time is short alan um thanks so much for coming on teeing it up uh it's a pleasure it's an honor um he is the longtime senior writer for Golf.com and Golf Magazine and Sports Illustrated, too, before that and before they split off. Um, thank you and enjoy Thanksgiving in Vegas. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm having Thanksgiving in in Carmel. I'm catching a very early flight to Las Vegas, so uh, it's it's not the best day to have a big big sporting event, but it is what it is. I, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed
0: the chat, Jeremy. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of your work, as you know, and so keep it up, and um, let's do this again soon. Yes, uh, thank you, and something tells me um, you'll be seeing a ton of golf riders in the Las Vegas airport Friday morning. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, no doubt. Uh, All right, thank you. Um, that's Alan Shipnuck thank you all for listening and teeing it up have a great day and we'll talk to you later everybody